Jen the Builder. And Corey. Welcome to Take the Elevator. Yes, welcome. Episode 130. And I am a little nervous, although I am excited about today's topic. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. Today's January 10th, and I have not shared this on this podcast. January 10th is a very special date for me, and it is actually the date that my second child passed away. Mm -hmm. So... Our oldest is Michaela, um, and then Alana and her were 11 months apart. Oh. So I have experienced the death of a child, and she was actually alive for six hours. Um, But that's what today is, and that is what impacted and influenced our topic for today. Just as parents, you know, we've been doing the giving and receiving thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So as parents, you're giving your children and you receive them, you raise them, and then there are pieces throughout life where you essentially not give them back 100%, but you've got to trust enough to give them and let them, and whether it be school, church, their friends, your family, your friends, you know, society, and that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So you can see why I'm excited, but then I'm also nervous to open up that part of my life. Right. And for me, I'm a little bit nervous because we're doing a different form uh, format today, guys. Sorry yeah. about that. And so uh, with with the podcast being pretty much audible, we're, we're adding the next step and the next yeah. element, which is the video. And so we're doing things just a little bit different because it we're just a little awkward. Yeah, we're exploring. Yeah. And we got this great topic and we just really want to try to see if we can do this on the next level. So, yeah, that that's that's what I'm a little nervous about. And I know I'm not going to take away from what you just uh, spoke about, because that's very key to be able to raise a child and then send them out into society. But even more um emotional is to have had a child that has passed away and mm-hmm. not get to experience the release of that child into society. And, and I want to mm. ask questions about that, Jim, because I'm really curious, you know, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Jen and I are a blended family. So this was before me. And so I didn't get to experience that. Not Mm. that, you know, people want to experience such a traumatic situation, but because you love someone so much, you want to be there for them in their most um, detrimental and emotional emotional moments. So, yeah, I've got questions and I just really want to give the the listener and now the viewer an opportunity (laughs) to hear those questions as well. Uh, We'll get to that in a little bit, though. Yeah. I was just thinking as you were talking, just the women that we have in our lives that have lost their children as well. Right. Um, from SIDS early on in life and even later on in life. You know, right. we as parents don't prepare for uh, them going before us because it's natural for us as the older person to go before. And I think that's one of the hardest things for me in life is to have experienced that loss because it's so unnatural. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? And when you talk about that, you, you typically think about a child's death being 
um, like you said, in infancy or maybe even, um, I don't know. born is yeah. another big experience or <clears throat> women who carry a pregnancy and miscarriage. That's a loss. Right. That's huge. But I, I, I have to bring this up because, you know, my, my mother experienced the death of my sister and right. that was at the age of 35, 37 yeah, years old. sister was 35. Yeah. And so she had this very awkward moment. And although I wasn't the parent, I watched her go through sure. that loss and that, that really tough time for her. So, yeah, you know, th- those different stages affect everyone differently. And, you know, the one thing that I learned a long time ago is that you can never tell a person, I know what you're going through. Because you, no matter if you've lost a, a child or if you've gone through that experience, it's always different. Different experience, It's yeah. never the same. So that's really something we should really practice on not doing or, and not saying that I understand what you're going through. You may have some idea of what that person may be going through, but mm-hmm. we just don't know the details. And, and, and here's another really big thing. Um, when, when it first happens... A lot of people are there. There's a lot of support. There's a lot of friendship mm-hmm. and love and, and and all that good stuff to make you feel like you can make it through it. But then a week, two weeks, maybe a month later, everyone's gone and you're left with your you're own dealing thoughts. Dealing with it. And yeah. it, it, that's when it gets tough. And real. Yeah. That's, when it, gets that's real. when it gets real. Yeah. And then it gets real tough. And so I'm, I'm bringing this up because these questions that I have, I really want to dig deep and I don't want to cause more trauma, but I just want to give the listener an opportunity to understand how that may be um, affecting the individual going through this. Yeah. And I am so open to sharing, but even now without me speaking, I think because this is a topic that I have not been accustomed to sharing, right. I'm sure I'm going to tear up. And I'm not apologizing for that. It's an emotion. It's, no, you do what you have yeah. to do. So just to give her honor, uh, my daughter, her name is Alana Ray. Mm, beautiful name. Yeah. And there's a story behind that. And I think that's why it's making me more sad because Alana was named after my cousin. Mm-hmm. So my cousin, Alan, is the godfather of Michaela. Right. So I'm not trying to complicate it. It's real simple. My cousin, Alan, godfather of our oldest, Michaela. Right. And he was very present in my life uh, when I was pregnant with Alana. So he would come with me to my doctor's appointments and people thought he was the father of my kid. And it just <laughs> really, I was like, no, that is my cousin. Right. And so we got, you know, a kick out of it. So it was... Um, it meant a lot to name her Alana after him, essentially, and then her middle name, Ray, because the pregnancy, the six hours with her being alive, was a ray of sunshine. Right. You know, and that nice. that's how we named her. That's beautiful. Yeah. So are we just going to jump straight into this? Are you ready for this? I Yes. You know, and I, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so gauge me. Okay, you know me. Right, and, right. And I no, think I you'll will be able to know if it's. I'll be too very deep. Sim- uh, yeah. uh, sensitive yeah. and understanding of the the um, questions that I'm going to sure. ask. So I do know that you were married during the time that uh, Alana was conceived, and mm-hmm. um, the- well, I was engaged. Okay, we had gotten married after that. Gotcha. And so um, 
he was in the military, so uh-huh. that that's why there was a, a little bit of absence from from. Yeah. Okay, and so um, going through these doctor's appointments and the buildup to actually birthing a child into this world, just give me a little bit of an understanding of how that that part worked out. Yeah, so I was very spoiled by my doctor. Okay. And so back then, now guys, this was a while ago, right? So Kayla was born in 1994. Alana was born in 1995. The ultrasounds and stuff like that, very different than what they were now. Literally, it was on this little screen, and you could see outlines of the baby. Right. Um. And my doctor, even without it being covered by my insurance, would give me ultrasounds every so often right so we had went in and you know what you hear the heartbeat it's strong and healthy he does an ultrasound and there's something on there that he's not sure of okay so he sends me to the specialist so this is where actually we are now in medicine i had to get referred to a specialist okay and on this type of ultrasound is a, an amazing imaging like 3d you could see the baby's face mm-hmm. um and so they were doing that and long story short what happened was alana had a diaphragmatic hernia so for anyone who doesn't know your diaphragm is that muscle that keeps your organs in your chest cavity up there and then you know your stomach and below all here so when someone has a diaphragmatic hernia there's literally a hole in your diaphragm so what was happening with alana is her organs below were pushing up into her chest cavity Mm -hmm. um and it had already caused one of her lungs to collapse and so the other lung was pushed up against her heart okay and i'm glad you explained that Excuse me, because a lot of people don't know the medical terminology and they don't understand how that works out. And then when you're able to break that down, it just helps us have a, a visual of all that stuff. Yeah. And and I just want to do a small uh, segue. I'm, it's intriguing for me because I know a lot of people don't know this, but I've never experienced the birth of a child. I know. I, I didn't oh. get to have that experience. And that breaks my heart. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's an amazing experience. Yeah, and it's a little traumatic for me because mm-hmm. um, I do have a biological child, and there are some things that happened during that time, and I would have loved to have been a part of that process. However, I wasn't allowed to. So when I hear you talk about this, that's my own personal experience. That's my Aww. my way of, of connecting in that yeah. way and saying, okay, I can see that. So that's why I, it's more intriguing for me than maybe someone else because sure. um, they've already experienced it. And so they're like, yeah, I mean, no, no big deal. But yeah. it's a huge deal when you have three children, one biological child, uh, and then a fourth that's passed away that I would have gladly have taken care taken care of. Um, I, I just really like to get in the depths of all that. Yeah. So let's move on to the next step. So um, you're you're going to appointments. You know something's not quite right, and you understand that you know. Well, there's something not right, but we're just going to move forward. And th- sometimes children are born with some defects. Sometimes they're born with some uh, handicaps and maybe some special needs. And we just keep on moving. I'm sure that's what you were thinking. So what was the next part of the process? Well, let me stay in that realm. Okay. So the doctor said, 
we're going to have you admitted tomorrow and we're going to have to do an emergency surgery. So emergency C-section to get Alana out so they can strengthen her up enough to get her ready for surgery. Now, how many months were you at that point? I was almost seven months okay. pregnant with Alana. Okay. So, so you she was pretty very much viable. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So um, that was scary. The doctor, very, very comforting. Um, didn't give me any reason to really freak out. And here's the crazy thing about this story is they flew in the surgeon. So she's a neonatal surgeon and that's very intense in surgery because the babies are so small. Right. Right. And when we met her and I say we, cause my mom was there with me. Cause again, Chris, my fiance at the time, um, in the military. So he wasn't there for this. Cause you like, he requires a leave signed documents, you know, to release him right, to come right. to leave the base and stuff. Um, so this surgeon was actually the pediatrician. I think that's right for my brother. Oh my God. And she remembered my mom. She remembered my brother. And then here she was about to, provide medical care again for my family. Right. Such a small world. Oh yeah. And Six it, it was a separation. Right. Yeah. And it was comforting that she remembered out of all her patients for her to remember my brother. Right. You know, really spoke to me. Um, she, I was young. I was what? 21. So a lot of the things I, you know, I mean, imagine being that young and trying to process. Oh, yeah. So she told me what was going to happen or what the plan was. And so, again, they were going to have me deliver um, Alana. They were going to put her on steroids, get her strong enough, probably steroids for 24 hours. And then they were going to do the surgery to repair the hernia in her diaphragm. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And so the next move would, would, I mean, as you said, this is so amazing. You have this doctor who is have the the family history and yeah. probably um reconnecting with you with you guys on a whole nother level because mm-hmm. this is uh third generation now dealt with your mom dealt with you now she's about to deal with your your uh second born child and and so it's just all this history and i'm sure yeah. that's that's really good for you and comforting for you but what was the next part of that process so it was getting admitted and uh there was a problem with communication with Chris. So I couldn't really tell him what was going on. I had to leave him a message and leave it at that. So of course, Alan's there for me. He watches Michaela while I'm in the hospital. So uh, we had the surgery and I just remember key people around that time. So a friend of mine, um, Julie went to the hospital with me, prayed with me again, another, a young friend comforting a young friend We don't know what this part of why. I mean, it's just intense to think about it that way. Right. I was barely handling just having a child. Remember, Michaela and Alana were 11 months apart. Right. So I was still processing being a young mom, a new mom, and then having to deal with this. So uh, Julie was there. She just hung out with me, prayed with me. Cousins came, you know, aunts, mom, of course. And then um, I have the C-section. And here is such a wonderful thing for me because even in the middle of that chaos and in something that was so um, 
on it had me on edge because I didn't know what was going to happen. My nurse so happened to be a God fearing woman, and when I was in the surgery room, she was praying with me. My mom was there, of course, but even in that, there was a peace that I needed to experience during that because right. when you're in a C-section as most of us know you're awake you're alert you're just drugged to where you don't feel anything right but you're very aware of what's going on okay yeah so Alana was born and they treated wait wait wait, oh, wait. Let's, okay let's, let's slow down just yeah. a little bit and and I, I wanted to say this because I said it and I'm not quite sure if if I made my point every child each person has is a whole different experience yeah there's no cookie cutter way to have a child. I mean, let's be honest. They're not cookie cutter conceived. So <laughs> they're not going to be cookie cutter delivered and raised. And so when you have this whole other experience, you don't even have the other child in mind at the time of. Right. It's just focused on this mm -hmm. one individual and the success in birth and the next steps and the next steps and the next steps. So let's, let's focus on well, you. You have this incredible burden of, of worrying about this one individual's life coming into the world. And then you realize that there's something not quite right. And you're prepping for all these things with the thought in mind that everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And then you get to delivery and, and tell me what happened next. So she was beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, just she looked like Michaela, just darker complexion mm -hmm. with a darker hair. So I got to meet Alana. You know, they, they treated it just like a normal birth. If everything is well enough, they bring the baby to the mom. Um, I was able to touch her skin, you know, that immediate bonding and then, of course, they had to take her away to start treatment on her. Right. Um, and because I was a C-section, I had to recover in the room. So I couldn't walk. They couldn't bring her to me more. So that was my only time uh, meeting Alana as, as an alive baby. Right. But my family got to be with her um, while they were, you know, giving her steroids and stuff like that and got to touch her and hold her. Right. So they were able to share stories with me on that. Um, and then she just wasn't strong enough. You oh, know? okay. So uh, six hours again, she was alive and then she had passed away. And so there's this part of the process too. So the hospitals and the medical staff know how it's important to be able to release, right? We're talking about giving, receiving and releasing. Right. So they, they dressed her up and brought her to the room and I got to hold her and speak to her and try to say goodbye. But I mean, when you think about the grieving process. Oh my. Yeah. It's breaking my heart right now. I mean, it's hard to hear this and I'm, I'm sure um, going through it is a whole nother level of, of hard and incredibly tough. And, and so I just really, you know, sympathize with anyone that's gone through yeah. this process, anyone that's had to deal with this on any level. Uh -huh. And, um, you were fortunate enough to give a gift. Well, you received a gift and then you gave this gift, which was this child. And, you lost this gift. 
all in less than an eight hour period of time. And I'm, I, and I know the giving part or the receiving part was uh, nine months or seven and a half months yeah. prior, but that whole process just culminated in like eight hours. Yeah. And so you're forced to deal with this. Now I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to just sit here and, and, and push the, the needle further than it has to go. Let's, let's go on to, um, after you were able to conceptualize, understand what was going on, you, you've not moved on, but you, you've moved away a little bit. You've yeah. gotten a little bit of, of resolve. What, what, what was the next steps after, after burial, after uh, funeral and, and process? What, what was happening then? I think that's when the anger came mm, in, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. the confusion. And I think it's different too when you already have a child. So you're, I wasn't able to like fully process because life just kind of went on. Right. Like how you said, people are there for a month or two and then it dwindles a little bit. And so you're left to figure it out. And find that strength, you know, um, the whole part of grieving that took the longest for me, I think was really just the depression and the sadness over it. Right. Um, but I didn't have a strong support system. And what I mean by that is not that family wasn't there from your friends because clearly they were, but I didn't have someone to talk to that knew how I was feeling. You know what I mean? Like right. uh, that wasn't even a thought to find a support group and meet women who were, who had gone through things and were able to mentor me through it. Right. So for me, it was a lot of prayer and a lot of just saying, I am not made to understand everything and I don't understand this, but I know it happened for a reason. And I'm thankful that I had six hours with her. Right. You know, incredible. Incredible story, Jen. Incredible way to bring it to light. And I'm sure this is going to touch lots of people and and really allow them an opportunity to feel your moment of hurt. But then there are those out there who went through their own moment of hurt right. and they're going to be able to share that with someone else. And I hope they're able to share it with us. As a matter yeah. of fact, I would love to hear anyone's comments on their experience if they've experienced something like this or if they even know someone that has gone through an experience like this it's just a very touching but it's a very um delivering type of oh that's a good word type of story yeah Yeah. because even when i was younger here's a statement that kind of stayed with me and I hope it helps anyone that's going through a moment of chaos now or they went through that as a parent, and I'm going to read it. Um, There is peace and love in my home, even in the midst of chaos. Mm. And that had to exist for me. It had to be that for me to get through it. Um, Because, again, Michaela was depending on me. I was far from perfect as a parent, but I knew how important it was to give her peace and love in that home wow so i'd like to say it like this there are there is no peace without chaos and Mm. so you got to get through the chaos first in order to experience the peace 
Well, Jen, I really appreciate this opportunity that you've given me to interview you on a subject that we we just have never really sat down and dug deep into this um, for whatever reason. And, and as close as we are and as much as we know about one another, we, we just never really jumped deep into this. I've heard bits and pieces, but I knew it was always really sensitive and a touchy subject. And um, I'm glad I had an opportunity to talk to you and interview you uh, on this yeah. particular subject subject well it lets me know that I, even now i can feel the strength rising mm-hmm. um we you know we've always said hey when we created take the elevator what it was going to be about and just knowing the power of an experience that someone else has gone through right and like i said gosh i wish i had a support system goodness did i wish i had sisters if you will that were able to understand where I was coming from. Right. And so if that's what the story does for women, for men, you know, moms, dads alike, absolutely. Like I, I think this story is just now being birthed, if you will, for yeah. a reason. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to talk to you, Corey, you'd brought up a good point. Cause speaking of parents and children, you know, a lot of parents are going through stuff with, their kids getting sick while they're at school. And so how do you um, maneuver and decide what to do for your kids when they have to have an education, but you may not feel comfortable because of the uprise and this strain of COVID, you know? Yeah. I think that's going to be a whole nother topic and something we can really jump into. (laughs) Maybe Wednesday. Yeah. Let's try it for Wednesday. I think we've got some really good tips for parents and how to be, I just want to say this though. Um, when we talk about Genco Sound Company, which is you and me, yeah, right, and that we call it the mother load of, right. of all of this, um, we've always said to make some noise. And so in our episode on Wednesday, the 131st episode, I think we're going to talk about not just making noise, but using your voice during these times. And because you've been given your children and you've received them, I think we need to be wise in the decisions that we give away. Oh, yeah. And that we actually need to hold on to as parents. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, you know, just feel free to tune in the next time and hear what we're talking about. And and maybe you can even follow us on YouTube because we're launching this YouTube uh, podcast as well. Follow us on all of our platforms. We got Instagrams and Facebooks, and and if you don't know them, we will be featuring those uh, yeah. in the very near future, and even putting them in some of the ads that we're going to be coming up with as we're creating more content. So exciting! I love growth. I love developing. Um, but anyways, you know us to take the elevator. We say, look up and let's elevate. elevate.